Well, you can be seated for a moment. Uh, I've been around here for a long time, and I have enjoyed all of my years of being here around the camp meeting and campgrounds, serving the Lord, living for God. I thought today as Brother Glass was preaching, uh, teaching, I thought about years ago when I was just a boy coming to the camp meeting, Brother Junior Weeks was Brother Charles Weeks Jr. Brother C.G. Weeks, his brother, was pastor of my home church. And uh, I come from a broken home, and Brother uh, Weeks just sort of stepped in and was uh, real kind and fatherly to me, and uh, was a real blessing. And so youth camps were just around the corner, and I wanted to go to youth camp. And uh, they were just developing, putting in cabins over here, around the new tabernacle that had been built and uh, several people were building cabins and uh, Brother Glass was building him a cabin. Brother Weeks built him one, was building on it and Brother Glass was building him one and he needed somebody to dig a ditch. And so uh, I dug his ditch. I don't know if he still remembers it or not but I dug the ditch for him just a boy and he, he gave me seven dollars to help me go to youth camp. Now, if that sounds a little cheap, that was a lot of money back yonder. Amen. See, I'm I'm an old-timer. I'm gray-headed. Told somebody the other day, I was so old, I'd seen the rise and fall of a, just a common paper sack. That's the truth. I remember a boy when you went to work, your wife told you, if you come home, you better have that sack with you. Wasn't many paper sacks. Not any now, hardly. They're all plastic. Isn't that right? So I've been around a long time. And uh, that was a lot of money back then, $7. And uh, what was so funny about it all, he got his foundation all built, got ready, right ready to pull the concrete. I had the ditch dug right where he was going to put all the water lines and sewer lines and everything. Brother C.G. Weeks walked over there one day and was looking around, and he said, Brother Glass, your cabin's out of line with this cabin. We're going to line everything up on this campground. And uh, didn't he do it? And uh, he, I mean, he had it ready to put the concrete in. He said, you got to move it. Made him tear it all down and move it six feet, wasn't it? About six feet. To line it up with his cabin because he wanted it to look good. Now, he was district secretary then. I mean, made him tear it up. Now, that may be the only two buildings in line on this campground, but them two are. <laughs> Amen. He said, you got to fix it. And uh, so he fixed it. <laughs> Well, so uh, I've been coming to youth camp, camp meeting, and I've enjoyed it, and here we are again today in another camp service. And as usual, you always, uh, as I said yesterday, you always forget some things that you want to say. Uh, I got to thinking about a lot of things I wish I would have said. I don't remember anything that I want to take back, but uh, it's a little too late now. But uh, you forget some things, and uh, some, one of the sisters run into me, and she told me, said, you forgot something today. And I said, well, what was it? And she told me, and I said, well, I did forget that, didn't I? And so you're always forgetting something. I'll probably forget something today, but I'm going to try to do my best. When you uh, forgetting things sort of reminds me of when I moved to Gina <coughs> almost uh, 10 years ago. We went there to take the church. And we was moving into the parsonage at that time, and uh, 
we didn't have the stove hooked up, had everything in boxes, and we was trying to trying to get everything all put up and fixed and nailing stuff on the wall and all of this. You know how it is moving. And so uh, we'd work all day, and every afternoon we'd go down to Bill's Cafe. Now, if you live in the city, it's a restaurant, I know, but in Gina, it's a cafe. Not a cafe, it's a cafe. And uh, so we'd go down to Bill's Cafe. That was the only one in town. And uh, it went out of business, and we had to go to eating at the hospital then. But anyway, <laughs> Bill's had a cafe open then, and so we'd drive down there and, and eat supper every evening because we didn't have any, you know, the stove wasn't hooked up. And we'd eat about all the cereals and cereal and candy bars we could stand. So we'd go down to Bill's. They didn't have much, but I think fried chicken, hamburger steak, that's about all we have over in LaSalle Parish. <clears throat> and so we'd go down and eat that. And so one day I, we was, one evening we was sitting there, it's still daylight, and sitting there uh, eating and just, just brought the food out. And here come, of course, wasn't hardly anybody in there but us. And, uh, people over there don't go out to eat anyway and so we were sitting in there and we went hard to find here come an older lady in and she come walking up to our table never seen us she said mister i believe i'm looking for you i said well i don't know why she said i just run into somebody's new oldsmobile sitting out here in front of this place and i thought it might be yours i said it is <coughs> parked it right in front of the uh, building and so uh, she said, you better come out here and look at it. So I got up and went out. She hadn't done much to it. Run into the bumper and scratched it up and bent, bent the fender a little bit. And uh, she said, I was across the street at Kendrick's uh, shopping for groceries. And she said, I started to back out, had my car in reverse, and said, I run all the way across the street and run into your car. <coughs> and she said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She looked up at me and she said, who are you anyway, mister? I said, I'm Brother Coon. I'm... Crawford Coon, I'm the new pastor of the United Pentecostal Church here in Gina, and she was a little bit older, and I could tell she was upset, and I said, now don't you be upset about running into my car, and I said, you hadn't heard it much, I've got insurance, you probably got insurance, and I said, don't be upset about it, I'm not worried about it, we'll get it fixed, I'm going to go eat my chicken, and you don't worry about it, and uh, I said, uh, by the way, who are you? She looked up at me, and she said... <clears throat> Well, you know, I'll declare to goodness, mister, I can't think of my name at all. <laughs> and I patted her on the shoulder. I said, don't worry about it. I said, don't, that's all right. She said, wait, wait, wait. She said, we got it printed on my checkbook and my, it's over here in the car and I'll go get it and tell you who I am. She walked all the way across the street, got her purse, come back. She got her checkbook out, opened it up and she said, that's who I am. I'm Miss J.C. Casey. I said, Ms. Casey, I'm so glad to meet you. God bless you. Lord. Now, I'm going to do something today that uh, I know before I start is really, really foolish. I've picked out a subject today that is extremely long and, and extremely large. I know that before I start. I feel impressed to talk about it, but really, I'm going to try to give you about three months worth here in about an hour or a little over. Now, I know that sounds absolutely absurd, 
And if I ever live long enough and get around to writing the third volume of a series of books I'm in, I've only got one of them done, and the rest of them still up in my head and heart, uh, this will be a part of that uh, volume of series studies. And this would be a series of lessons if uh, I was in a local church. I haven't ever taught it all. I've just touched on it. And uh, But in this uh, camp meeting service today, I feel impressed of the Lord to talk about it. And maybe some of our brethren can take it with them and you can build on it and work with it and make something good out of it. Praise God. Well, I love the word of the Lord, don't you? Let's go to the book of Nehemiah today, chapter 3, and then I'm going to read one verse in Nehemiah chapter 12, and we'll uh, talk about the word of the Lord. Now, if you'll follow with me today, I'm going to have to be very brief in my remarks about the different parts of the subjects because uh, I have a tendency to get hung up on one thing and stay there. So if I do, uh, you pardon me, and I'll do my best to um, hurry through today and you fill in the blanks and the things that we miss, and I'll just try to touch the high points. I won't ask you to read with me today because I'm going to be skipping through the third chapter of Nehemiah and reading several passages in order to save time. So uh, <clears throat> Nehemiah, the third chapter, and I may read just a portion of verses and uh, some of these uh, to save a little bit of time. But the first verse of Nehemiah chapter 3 says, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they built the sheep gate, they sanctified it, and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiah. And then verse number 3, but the fish gate did the sons of Hassanabel, who also laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And then in verse number 6, Moreover the old gate repaired Jehoiada the son of Paseah, and Meshullam the son of Besadea. They laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Then skipping down to verses 13 through 15. The valley gate repaired Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah. They built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof and the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall unto the dung gate. But the dung gate repaired Malchiah the son of Rechab. Skipping down to verse 15. But the gate of the fountain repaired Shalom the son of Kolhoza, the, the ruler a part of Mizpah. And let me skip down to verse number 26. Moreover, the Nethanims dwelt in Ophel, unto the place over against the water gate toward the east and the tower that lieth out. Verse 28. From above the horse gate repaired the priests, everyone over against his house. Verse 29. And after them repaired Zadok, the son of Emmer, over against his house. After him repaired also Shimeiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. Verses 31 and 32. After him repaired Malchiah, the goldsmith's son, unto the place of the Nethanims, and of the merchants over against the gate Mifkad, and to the going up of the corner. Chapter 12, verse 39. <clears throat> Nehemiah 12, 39. 
And from above the gate of Ephraim, and above the old gate, and above the fish gate, and the tower of Hananiel, and the tower of Mia, even unto the sheep gate, they stood still in the prison gate. And everybody said, Praise the Lord, and you may be seated. The Lord bless you today. Uh, I think it's very obvious that we have read to you today about uh, several different things that Nehemiah and his people did in restoring the city of Jerusalem. My subject today is simply rebuilding the gates. Rebuilding the gates. Now, gates have, and walls especially, have a tremendous import in the Scripture. Isaiah talks about the fact that our walls are salvation and our gates are praise. Now, I'm going to briefly mention these things. Uh, David said that God loves the gates of Zion more than all of the dwellings of Jacob. He says for us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Psalms 118 and 19 speaks of the gate of righteousness. Jesus said, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads unto life everlasting. The Bible constantly speaks to us that the gate of the city is the point of attack always by the enemy. In essence, the person in the Old Testament that ruled the gate of the city was actually the ruler of the city, the judge of the city, the man of importance and authority. You and I today, the Bible tells us that if we fulfill certain scriptural roles, that we will become the repair of the breaches. The Bible tells us that decisions and indicates to us that judgments and uh, marketplaces and trades and activities of every sort and every type were carried on at the gates of the particular cities. And then we come today to the gates and the wall of the city of Jerusalem. About uh, somewhere about 15 years ago, I was uh, pricked in my heart to begin to study about the restoration of the wall and the rebuilding of the gates of the city of Jerusalem. In these ensuing 15 years, I have added little thoughts and ideas and opinions along the road. And let me share with you a little bit today of what I think is the spiritual uh, impartation of the Word of God in relation today to the restoration of the wall and more specifically the rebuilding of the gates of the city of Jerusalem. Now, our setting in the context of the lesson today is, as all of you know, Jerusalem has been torn down by the Babylonians. There has been an effort made and there has been a restoration of the temple. And uh, the Jews are now back in Jerusalem. Many of them are. One of them goes over to visit the kingdom of Persia. And uh, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes and he is serving in the king's palace. The messenger from Jerusalem comes and tells him that our wall is broken down and our gates are burned with fire. When Nehemiah heard this, a burden gripped his heart, as all of you know. And he went to the king. Uh, first of all, he was sad in his presence, and he went to the king eventually and asked of him a leave of absence that he could go and check on his people in the country or in the city of Jerusalem. The king gave him that authority, gave him some support, helped him to go, and Nehemiah goes and views the city of Jerusalem. 
When he gets there, of course, he meets with Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gasmew. Now, Gasmew is one of the men that is always running his mouth. I call him Gasmew the Gossip. And uh, <clears throat> then there was uh, Sanballat and Tobiah that was always ready to criticize and make fun. But Nehemiah comes in, and uh, he's a very wise man. Instead of him coming in and telling everybody what he's going to do and uh, telling them how he's going to fix everything, he comes in and he mounts his beast, goes out through the valley gate, and views the ruins of the city. Now, that may be some good uh, practical advice or leadership for all of us to follow. Instead of always saying what we're fixing to do, a lot of times it's better off to keep your mouth shut and then exercise some of it along the road of life. Amen. And I won't get into that. But nevertheless, he, he views what is happening. And somehow he gets a hold of these people and stirs them up. And they say, all right, we, we're with you, Nehemiah. We're ready to rebuild. We're ready to restore. We're ready to repair. You see, our walls are broken down. Our gates have been burned with fire. The enemy walks in at will. We have no protection. Everything comes and everything goes just like it wants to. You see, the most strategic part of that city was the wall that was around it and the gates that was the entrance and the egress of that city. And uh, <coughs> when these gates were kept, the city was secure. Everything was fine. Even right now in the old city of Jerusalem, there are some remains of these ancient gates that are still there. You go into certain parts of Jerusalem, you've got to go through an old-fashioned gate that is built in the wall. They're still there today. I've been through the, some of them. And it's a very, very interesting sight and a very impressive feeling when you walk through those towering gates, through the walls. And uh, you, you begin to remember that somebody raised these walls up to protect this city, to keep out the enemy, and to keep some things in. I remember years ago, a dear friend of mine preached a message on boundaries. And he said, the biggest thing we harp on is the things that we're trying to keep outside and the boundaries that stop things from coming in. But his point was that our boundaries can save things from going out. And uh, it can spare us some things, and it can save us some things from being lost and being destroyed. Amen. And so, as a result of this uh, situation, they wanted to raise up their walls and their gates again, so that anybody that come along couldn't just come walking into the city at will. Any army that come, any enemy that come, could not just come plundering into the city and destroy everything. And so they started to work. Nehemiah got these people inspired with his leadership. And I want to focus in on what these people began to do and how they began to restore and rebuild these particular gates. Now, I wish I, I, wish I had a means and a method of, of showing you exactly what I'm trying to talk about. Before me today, I've got just a very small outline. And at home, I'm so used to teaching on a blackboard I almost feel like turning around and writing, but uh, I don't have one, and you couldn't see it if I did, and that's fine. But uh, if I had the means today, I would show you what I'm talking about. The wall of the city of Jerusalem was somewhat jagged. It would make some turns and some crooks and some corners in it and uh, just some angles in, in this wall. 
and it covered approximately 200 acres uh, that was inside of this particular wall. And the Bible tells us that whenever they began their work and they got inspired to start to work, I want to get right into the things that they did. The first thing that they did, the Bible said then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests. Now notice, here is the priest, the men of God, the men that declare the law, that offers the sacrifices, these men of God that serve the temple. The Bible said that uh, Elijah and his brethren, that they builded the sheep gate, and they sanctified it, and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia, and unto the tower of Hananiel. Now, the first gate I want to talk to you about today is rebuilding the sheep gate. Now, if you would do a little bit of study on the sheep gate, you would find that at this gate, this is where that they brought into the temple area all of the sacrifices that was to be offered unto God. They brought the sheep in to be sold. Uh, oftentimes, they was brought in for a sacrifice. And uh, this gate that was called the sheep gate, that was in the proximity of the temple. It had been torn down. It had been destroyed. But thank God the priest said, we're going to build again this sheep gate that in one place is called the gate of Benjamin and the upper gate of the temple. Let me tell you today that when you begin to study the Word of God, that the first entrance into the kingdom of God and into the work of God has got to come through the sheep gate. Amen. All we, the Bible said, like sheep, were going astray. But thank God, one day He reached out to us and He touched our hearts. Praise God. This is the first step in your walk with God is that you have got to become the sheep of His pasture. Amen. Once we was lost, we was astray. We was without God. I was out there in a world wandering around. But thank God there were some priests that built it again, the sheep gate. Hallelujah. And they said, this is the way into the sheepfold. Praise God. And Jesus Christ is the door of entrance into the kingdom of God. I'm glad today that there was a time in my life I become a part of God's glorious flock. I become a part of the sheep of His pasture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you've been born again of the water and the Spirit today? My, my, my. I want you to know, friend, that, uh, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because if there's anything that is believed among us, it's this message of water baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. But brother, if there's a gate, brother Tinney, that we need to keep in repair, it's the sheep gate. Amen. My God, I don't want the goats getting in. If you're going to get in here, you've got to come through the sheep gate. Praise God. You've got to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Glory to God. You've got to be baptized in His name. You've got to join in this family of God and share in the glorious part of the kingdom of God if you ever intend to be saved. Amen. 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 I'm glad we've got a great shepherd over us today. Hallelujah. You study about him in this Bible. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. He's called the Great Shepherd. And then, thank God, he is the Chief Shepherd that shall appear one of these days. Thank God. This gate represents salvation. 
represents our transformation from a sinner into a saint. Thank God that the gate is still open today. The sheep gate. You can come to the temple. And I could spend a lot of time talking about that spirit of sacrifice. That spirit of the Lamb. That spirit of submission. Praise God. God give me the spirit of a sheep today. Led as a lamb to the slaughter is what was said of our Lord. Can I have any different spirit than he has today? I've got to keep the sheep gate built up in my life. I don't want to have the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit. Praise God. But brother, these priests of God said we're going to build again this sheep gate. We're not going to let anything come into the house of God. We're not going to let just any old sacrifice come. But it's got to be the sheep of his pasture. Hallelujah. That's going to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't think I have to say this, uh, but let me just say it anyway. If we ever get to the place, and my God knows, I, I don't care who comes to my church and, and what they look like when they get there. Amen. Now, I kinda, I'm concerned about them that stays there, what they look like. Amen. And I tell them that stays there, when them that come there that don't look like they look, to leave them alone, bless God. Hallelujah. I hate to get somebody out to church, some poor old sinner. He don't know straight up and sideways about Pentecost. He comes in, he's scared to death anyway. He don't know what door comes in where. Walks in on the platform, he's embarrassed. And uh, you know all kinds of stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Big old beard, two or three chains around his neck or something. And I'm not on to that stuff. And some good brother walks up to him and, you know, and uh, stand up and have loose so I can see you through my bifocals. You know, I used to see all these people with these bifocals and they was doing like this all the time. I said, I ain't going to never do that, but I'm doing it. You know, I want to see you, brother. You know, some old brother walks up to him and he's got a, well, I see you wasn't able to get up and shave this morning, but we're glad you come. Hope you get something out of it. Before you get away from here, we'll get you cleaned up. No, you won't. He won't be back either. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Just leave him alone. That's my job, to build a sheep gate. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The priest does that. Glory to God. Brother, preacher, we've got to keep the sheep gate built up. We don't just let anything in. But bless your heart, we, we're not out there to judge the world. We judge them that are within. God judges them that are without. Amen. Leave them sinners alone. Let the preacher have at least a few shots at them to preach to them. Amen. Leave them you saints alone too. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of us been growing for 40 years and we ain't grown up very much. What do you expect out of them? It's been in two or three weeks. In fact, some people's quit growing. They've just been swelling for a long time. Hallelujah. But oh, God, help us to keep that sheep gate strong. Thank God. I'm going to tell you, friend, you can come sit there till the sun sets. But if you're going to get in this church, you just got to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Praise God. God, give us the spirit of a sheep. Give us the spirit of sacrifice. Give us the spirit of dedication to God. I love this church. Hallelujah. I've gone through the sheep gate and I'm ready to serve the Lord. Whatever God has for me to do in my life. Amen. Your father-in-law, Brother Corn, taught me the difference in a sheep and a goat. You know what he told me, don't you? He said, Brother Coon, you ever saw a goat walk? I said, yeah, I've seen a lot of goats. Four-legged ones, two-legged ones, you know. Now, don't nobody take offense. Y'all say, well, I've seen four-legged coons, too. You know, I've seen two-legged ones, too. So, you know, you got four-legged goats, two-legged goats, four-legged coons, two-legged coons. But no three-legged chicken. Amen. He said, you ever watch a, a goat walk with a coon? I said, well, I've seen them. Why? What about it? He said, a goat walks like this. And you watch it. The side to side. You know what they're looking for? Something to butt. Something to hook. They'll eat the clothes off the line, won't they? Now, you young for Now, they won't eat them out of the dryer, but they'll eat them off of the line. Hallelujah. But, you know, that's the way a goat walks. Just, 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 you know, like this. But he said, you ever watch a sheep walk with a coon? I said, yeah, but I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, a sheep walks like this. You ever see anybody come in church doing like this? And then you ever see anybody coming in looking like this? You know what they're doing? They taking hair, they taking fingers, they taking shoes, they taking dresses, they taking a length, they taking see if you match, they just checking everything out. They come a checking and they leave a checking. Hallelujah. Goats. My God, you know what? You need another trip to the sheep gate. Praise God. You hear me? We need to walk through that sheep gate again and say, praise God. I'm on the way to the temple to be sacrificed. I'm on my way to the house of God to offer up the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. I come in shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. I've come to enjoy it. I've come to be excited. I've come to have camp meeting. Praise God. I'm excited about the work of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, well, they come checking their watch. They get they don't bless God you start at seven and get out about nine or ten, but they gotta check it all the time. Amen. Just you know Are you cold? You know, just looking around. Anybody else here cold besides me? <laughs> I didn't come to church, I just come to see if it's cold or hot. You know this. My God, you know. Oh, don't let me get started on that. Some of y'all freezing then, some of you burning up. That's the truth. You know. Just just looking around. Oh God, give me a sheep spirit. Hallelujah. I've said it before, we got about forty shawls laying on the church at Gina. I guarantee you right now it's it usually at this time of year it's a hundred and two or three over at Gina. I guarantee you can go in there right in the middle of the summertime and there's 20, 30 big old wool shawls 
Looks like you killed a sheep and laid him out there. They stay there summer and winter. And you know Oh, God, I need to be off somewhere preaching on this. I'm too close to home. <laughs> but you know what? If it gets a little cool in church, you know, nobody ever froze to death at 72, but that, I'll declare they think they are. If it gets a little cold, just a little bit chilly, they get looking around. You know? Y'all ain't forgetting what I'm saying, are you? You know, they get this going. You cold? You cold? I'm freezing it in. And you know, they reach over and get that big old shawl. And you are preaching. They don't just gently and Christ-like, if there's any Christ-like way, slip that shawl around their shoulders and just sit there and say, Amen. They get it, and they raise up a little bit. And they whirl it over their head. And they pull it around their neck. And they sit down and they give another shiver. I'm freezing to death. Are you? Oh, hallelujah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, I know y'all hadn't got anybody in your church like that. But we got a few like that. Their thermostat's messed up or something. Amen. I don't know what. It may be something about the wool that's on them. It's messed up. I don't know. Amen. But when you got that sheep spirit, you can stand it a little bit warm. You can stand it a little bit too. Praise God. You can sit on pews that are not cushioned. Hallelujah. You can stand the same song three services in a row. You know why? I've been through the sheep gate. Hallelujah. I like what's going on in the house of God. I'm excited about it. Glory to God. How we need to build again that sheep gate in our lives. Praise God. Praise God. But when the sheep gates down, the goats can get in. And that goat spirit can get a hold of us. But that priest said, we're going to build it up again. Now, we're glad for you to come. You can bring your letter if you want to, but that's not going to get you through the sheep gate. Got to be born again of the water and the spirit. Priest going to hold that gate up, going to build it up. That's right, the priest. But let me tell you something. It's a little off of the subject, but you can do what you want to with this. And saints, I want you to remember this. It was the priest in the Old Testament that determined who had leprosy. Now, now check it out for yourself. Leprosy is a type of sin. Now, it's a type till you get to hearing some people don't want it. That's the reason the priest had to have good eyes. I couldn't have been a priest in the Old Testament. That's right. I couldn't, you know, I can't see the hair on your head without my glasses, much less hair on your arm. And I said that for a reason, because there's a reason to that. Amen. But if you thought you had leprosy, you had to go to the priest. And you said, Brother Timmy, I got a little hair here on my arm. It's kind of got a funny spot around it. What do you think that is? Huh? That's right. You think that's just a wild hair? You think I really got leprosy? You think there's something wrong with that? Oh, now, now, wait, now, wait. You're going to wait a while. Now, if you was really a man of God, you'd give me an answer right now about whether this is right or wrong. 
My old pastor could. Oh, well, mama. Oh, these preachers nowadays ain't got much wisdom. But these young fellas, they, they just don't know like them old-timers did. Brother Wise is here. He could clone me. No, he told me just right. He said, I don't know what it is, Brother Coon. We're going to lock you up seven days. We'll t- I'll check you in a week from now. Think about it. Let's God go home and sleep on some things. Y'all know what I'm saying? You ain't got to fix it today. It'll heal up or get worse. And then you'll know what to do with it. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. But that's a priest's job. I didn't run off and tell everybody, well, this is leprosy. I, or if the priest said I had leprosy, I didn't say, that old blind dude, he's crazy. He's a bad, he's an old folk. He said I had leprosy. He said this was a sin. Can you believe that? Well, baby, if he told you that, we'll just have to leave and change churches. We ain't abusing my kids like that. Talking to my youngins that way. I'm not going to have that. My little old baby hadn't got leprosy. She just trimmed the dead ends off of her hair and put on a little of that light makeup. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And that old preacher said it was wrong. Well, what's wrong with that old dude? He can't see good. Don't he know this is 1988 instead of 1924? He got in 39 years ago and everything was wrong then and it's still wrong now and I don't know what's wrong with it. Leprosy, 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 leprosy. Oh, Hallelujah. But you know what? That priest said, if you went to him and, and you just had a hair and he didn't know whether it was leprosy or not, he waited a few days. There's some things you just got to wait on. Praise God. Just let things settle down a while. Let's check it out. If it's leprosy, it's going to come out. Amen. That's the reason I don't jump on every little fad that comes through our church and condemn everybody to hell for it. Every time they go from wide ties to narrow ties and pleats to no pleats and cuffs to no cuffs, I've lived through all that mess. Bow ties. I got a good friend. He's dead. Now, I died the other day, but he got hung up in that bow tie era. Wasn't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with the bow tie. Just looks kind of silly if everybody else got on a long one and you got a bow tie, but that's all right. I mean, and uh, there's no sin to that. And uh, he told me one day, he said, Brother Coon, I think everybody ought to wear a bow tie. I said, I don't think anybody ought to wear one. You know, and we've been through all of that. Now, that's that's no sin. But you know what? My God, I, I'm going to be honest with you now. This is this is how harebrained I am. That's where some of them harebrained eyes come from. You know, they didn't know if it was leprosy or what. When they looked at a hair, what, what color it was. And they just went off on a wild-haired tangent. Glory to God. Now, I remember. Now, this is this is old little coon here. This is old cranky me. I remember when they went from pleats to no pleats. Bless God, I ain't wearing them tight pants around. Look like you've been poured in them. I wouldn't, I ain't putting them on. And I wouldn't wear one. Pretty soon they come out, no cuffs on your pants. I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. No cuffs on your pants. Can't collect all that trash in them. And no, you know, I said, that, you know, that's got to be worldly. Patent leather shoes. 
double yet suits. Belt loops off your pants. My Lord, ain't no telling what's going to happen to you. <laughs> oh, how'd I get off on all of this? I'm off on a wild hair now. But I'm trying to tell y'all something, you know. I don't just get all bent out of shape over some little old silly stuff. But honest to God, I wouldn't buy a suit that didn't have pleats in it. But you know pretty soon I'd either been buying them or just doing without. And I figured it's better to have one with pleats or without pleats than none at all. <laughs> I figured that's a little more holy than none at all. <laughs> and so you know what? I don't have, hardly have any that's got, that, that's got any pleats in them. Bless your heart, they come along. And I just noticed to put these on, and my God, I've gone world again. He's got pleats in them. But they ain't got no cuff on them, so I'm half holy anyway. Amen. You know what? All, a, a lot of stuff is nothing but a passing fad and a fashion. But now when it's really leprosy, when it's really going to eat you up, when it's really going to send you to hell, and it's going to cause trouble in the church. And it's going to stir up trouble in the church. That's when you better leave it alone. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. All of us been through all that stuff. Ladies fix their hair on this side, on this top, hanging over here, hanging out yonder, back yonder. And just about every one of them, it comes out. we got to crucify them for it. Well, just keep the scissors out of it and make it look the best you can is all i got to say. And live for God and serve God and don't let the devil destroy us. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. You know, I learned a long time ago, you can shear sheep a lot. You know it. You can shear them a lot. Two or three times a year for 15 or 20 years. You can just shear them. But you don't skin them but once. <coughs> Amen. They got a way of dying on you when you do that. <coughs> like the fellow's muley weaned from eating. He said he just about had him weaned and he died. <coughs> well, you know, God help us. I don't mind being sheared. You get your shears out, Bishop, anytime you want to. But God help us. He was skinning knife at home. <laughs> Amen. That's rough on coons and sheep both. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I want to keep the sheep gate built up, don't you? Hallelujah. I don't want to forget that men have got to repent. They've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. They've got to receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There was a pool by the sheep gate. It was called Bethesda, the house of mercy. Praise God. There's still a pool by the sheep gate. Thank God. It's the house of mercy today. When you come to the church, there's mercy in this house. Glory to God. There's peace in this house. There's love in this house. You just come on through the sheep gate and there's a pool here. And God will change your life when you get in the troubled waters of Bethesda. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, but let's keep it built. Raise. I knew I shouldn't have tried this, but I tried it. It ain't going to work, but I'm going to try on a little further, okay? Hallelujah. You know what they did next? They said, let's get this sheep gate built up here. Real good and high. Keep the goats out. <clears throat> and they said, you know, went on down the wall, and they said, well, here's another gate. 
My God, it's fell completely down. It really needs some help. Well, what's this gate for, Brother Nehemiah? Oh, this is a fish gate. Fish gate? What in the world are y'all doing with the fish gate in this city? Well, you know what they did with that fish gate in the wall of Jerusalem? You can study it. Even in this book, it mentions that the men of Tyre brought in fishes into the city of Jerusalem through the fish gate. That was where they went out. They caught the fish. And they brought them in. Now, you know where I'm going? After you come through that sheep gate, then the next thing you got to do is go through the fish gate and say, I'm going out to catch some fish for the Lord. I'm going to become a fisher of men. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, you're talking about a revival. If you and I could catch the spirit of the fish gate, Praise God that we're going to reach out after souls. We're going to repair the fish gate in our churches. We're going to repair the fish gate in the United Pentecostal Church. We're going to repair soul winning in the United Pentecostal Church. I know we hear a lot about it, but God help us today to become fishers of men. Praise God. Help us to be willing to go out and to tell somebody else what Jesus Christ has done for me. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, friend, this world doesn't need to hear about holiness until they've been brought to the fish gate and they hear about Jesus Christ. They come through the sheep gate and they learn that He's the chief shepherd. Praise God. But I'm going to get somebody. Where are you going to bring them to, Brother Toon? I'm going to bring them through the sheep gate. Let's go through the sheep gate. Hallelujah. I'm not going to carry you through the holiness gate. Let's go through the sheep gate. Praise God. i got to get you baptized. I gotta get you full of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to the sheep gate. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Quit going out and telling people what they can't do if they get in your church. Tell them what they can do. Praise God. Tell them how good God is in your church. Praise God. I get so sick of hearing Brother Johnson preached on it last night. Oh, the negative opinions giving place to the devil. How's y'all's church doing? Oh, we got a pretty good little old preacher. We elected him last month. Boy, he can paint, he can sing, he can sew, he can patch, he can build. He can do just anything, but he can't preach a lick. Well, he don't have time. You're working him to death on other stuff. How's your church? Oh, we praying about a change. Hallelujah. You ain't going to catch no fish. All you're doing is a ticking in the water. I never saw anybody go fishing and take their fishing pole and go out to the pond or the fish, or out to the hole and, and take their old fishing pole and blam, 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 blam. All right, you crazy fish, I'll come out here to catch you. Blam, blam, blam. I'm going to take you home and steal you and all. I'm going to fry you until you're dead. You don't do that. Amen. Scare them all off. We used to go fishing. My daddy'd take me. I'd want to go running up to the creek. Stay back, stay back, stay back. Don't make no noise. Gonna run all them fish off. Set your bucket down real easy. Set your lunch down real quiet. Knees up there like you're slipping up on a bass. 
What you doing? I'm fishing. But you know we want to go tearing into sinners and a beating and a knocking and a banging and a carrying on. Oh, God, make us wise to be fishers of men. Why don't you talk up your church? Why don't you talk up your pastor? You say, I don't like him. That's what's wrong with you and everybody else. That's the reason the church won't grow. You don't like anybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't you have enough sense to say, I don't care whether I like anybody or not, but my kids is lost. And they're going to hell. And if they're ever going to get saved, my pastor's going to have to baptize them. And I'm going to build my pastor up in my children's eyes and in the eyes of my employee friends. I want my church to grow. I've got to get somebody through that sheep gate. And I've got to use wisdom to get it. You know, that's what I like about your church, Brother Mangan. I'm going to brag on your saints a little bit. I know you hadn't had nothing to do with it, but I'm going to brag on them. Thank God. You, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You go down to Alexandria. I promise you. I, I, we shot in Alexandria all the time. Just live 40 miles away. Brother Mangan's been my presbyter ever since I was born. <laughs> and I ain't but 47. <laughs> Nearly bowed. I wasn't very big when you started, was you? Thank God. I'll tell you, he's a good presbyter too. I'm honest. He don't bother you? Damn. Praise God. You want to see him? Go to Alec. But you know, you go over to Alec, you walk in the store. I've, I've asked all over Alec. I go in the store. Go in Walmart, Kmart. That's the only place I know how to shop. Walmart. <laughs> go Walmart. Walmart is what it is. Walmart. Over in Jeanner. And you go in the store. I, I've asked all over town. I say, you know G.A. Mangan? Oh, yeah, I know him. I've been to this church. You been to this church? Yeah, I've been there. Oh, he's, you know, great church. Then you run up on one of his saints. Oh, Brother Coon, I'm so glad to see you. Y'all gonna be in town. Y'all gonna be, y'all gonna be in town tomorrow night? No, we have church tomorrow night. That's Bible study. I'm gonna be teaching. Oh, you ought to dismiss and come to our church. Bring all your saints over. I'm telling you, we got the best pastor. Brother Anthony's gonna be preaching. Brother G.A.'s gonna be preaching. Wow, we got the best choir. You ain't never, you ain't never been to church till you've been to our church. I say, well, we can't. Oh, yeah, you could. You're not very far away. You could dismiss if you would. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Yes, sir. They just, and I, I like that. They think they got the greatest. And everybody in Ellick has got the greatest. I just want them, don't want them to believe that over in Gina. See? <laughs> Amen. And uh, I'm sure you feel that way about your town. But my God, I love people like that. That says, I'm excited about my church. That's the reason sinners come. You ought to come hear our choir. You ought to come hear our preacher. You ought to come see our church. Praise God. I'm so excited. Hallelujah. They almost make you want to dismiss and go because they're excited about the Lord. Hallelujah. We're gathering up fish. We're going to bring them in. Hallelujah. And we're going to cast out the net and see people find God. Oh, we need to build again the sheep gate or the fish gate. Win them to the Lord. Bring them to God. You know, you go off talking negative and <laughs> running the church down, running the preacher down. Let me just throw out something here. If you go to church and your pastor makes you as mad as an old setting hen, instead of you when you get in that car spouting off in front of them kids, if you got to say something now, 
And, and I know I'd be a dumb bunny to think I don't get disgust. And sometimes the diss ain't on there. Amen. I'd be dumb to think that. So I know you're going to discuss things. But why don't you use enough sanctified common sense to zip your lip till you get to the house, feed the young'uns a bologna sandwich, put them to bed, and then you and Mama have a kitchen conference, and you talk about it. And don't get on the telephone and call anybody else about it either. Hallelujah. We're going to build up the sheep fish gate. We're going to bring some sheep to the Lord. Praise God. You know, you talk negative, run your church down, run your people down, run your saints down. Praise God. I got some of the best people in the world. You say, boy, you don't have no nod heads. Not enough to pay any attention to. Praise God. No, nobody enough to pass no 10 days over. Praise God. I told somebody the worst thing about that fasting is I get hungry. Hey, talking about headaches and all that. That hunger bothers me the worst. But you know, you run everybody down, talk about everybody and get it on. People kind of believe what you say. That's right. You talk it up, they believe it's good. You talk it down, they believe it's bad. I, I mentioned this in the minister's conference several years ago. It was really impressed on me how much people believe what you say. Whenever Brother Ronald Kendrick in our church, he's a little, well, he's not little, he's probably 35 or 40. He's a, a retarded boy, retarded man, fine fellow, sings and shouts, worships God. Good boy, everybody in the church loves him, everybody in town knows him. He works for all the businesses, cleans up their parking lot. He's got the Holy Ghost, he's a good fellow, and uh, just has a little mental problem. And that, that doesn't stop him from serving God. Anybody I have compassion on is people that's crippled or mentally deranged or sick or elderly in nursing homes and stuff. That that touches my heart. And I mean that. Ronald, he's my buddy. So he come by the parsonage one day and I was gone. And one of our brothers worked in one of the stores that he cleaned up around. Ronald would go in the store every day. And this brother in our church would see him. And he'd say, hey, dude, how you doing? And that offended Ronald. He didn't know. He can't read. He thought the fellow was cussing him. And so he come by the parsonage and he told my wife, said, Brother so-and-so down the store is calling me a dude. And he was crying. He said, I'm hurt. said, he ought to call me Brother Ronald, not call me a dude. said, that, that hurts me, talking to me ugly like that. So he said, look it up in the dictionary and see what it means. Sister Coon looked it up, but she never did get him satisfied. He said, she said, you come back and talk to Brother Coon. Well, in a few minutes I come in, here come Ronald on his bicycle, and he stopped by, and he was crying. He said, Brother Coon, I'm grieved in my spirit. said, i got to know. said, said Brother so-and-so's calling me a dude. And he said, I won't know is it a sin. I, I don't believe you ought to be cussing me like that. And so I said, I sat him down. I explained to him a long time. I said, Ronald, there's nothing wrong with that. I said, that's not a bad word. He's just greeting you. Like saying, hey, buddy. Hey, neighbor. Only he says, hey, dude. He said, ain't nothing wrong with it, huh, Brother Coon? I said, not a thing in the world. That's good. Hopped on his bicycle and took off. I was out in the yard. In a few minutes, he come back by, jerked his hat off, and hollered, Hey, 
old dude. And he's been calling me dude ever since. <laughs> Hallelujah. I ain't Brother Coon, I'm dude. Hey, call me that the other day. <laughs> Hallelujah, boy, I'm an impressive pastor. I want you to know that. I get the message across. Nothing wrong with that. But you know, when, when you start telling people about your church, that's how something good to say about it. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. How many of you feel good about the work of God? Praise God. I'm excited about what we're doing. Glory to God. Let's build up the fish gate. Let's reach out to the world that's lost. Let's reach our fellow man. Let's reach our kids. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we could spend a lot of time talking about winning people to God. That's such an important, important message. And then, according to my studies that took me into a lot of different areas, uh, now you may find a different arrangement from this, but I found in the arrangement of the wall of Jerusalem and in the gates of that city that the, <coughs> the third gate uh, actually is located are found, mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 39, and it's called the prison gate. Now, uh, it's also in the scripture, probably in all likelihood, Nehemiah 3.25, it is the same as the court of the prison. Now, there's no historical data that exists or tells us exactly why that this gate was named the fish gate. We have some data that tells us why the sheep gate was so named, and why the fish gate was so named, but we have no information as to why that this gate would be called a prison gate. But whenever they dedicated the wall and the gates of the city of Jerusalem, there was half of the people that went in one direction on the wall, and half of the people that went the other direction. And whenever they got to the prison gate, the Bible says that the singers sang for joy. And their joy was heard afar off. And they stopped at the gate of the prison, or at the prison gate. Amen. Now this gate stands and symbolizes and represents to us that dedication and surrender to God as the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first step you've got to make in living for God is to come through the sheep gate and become His child. I believe the second thing you ought to do is become a witness for the Lord. You ought to be excited about what God has done for you. You know, God gave me the Holy Ghost 33 years ago, starting on 34 now. I was a lost 14-year-old boy, had an incurable disease, and this right leg was drawn up and I couldn't hardly walk. I was under the care of specialists and doctors. The last specialist I went to, Dr. Worley and Alexander, noted specialist, old Dr. Worley. He laid me on the examination table. I was laying there and my leg was all drawn up and uh, off, of the, off of the examination table. He got up on it and he pushed it down with all of his weight. Got off of it and it just popped right back up. When he got through, he told my parents, he said, this boy... After they had done surgery and taken out most of the muscle of this right arm, I've got a big lot of this muscle missing, big hole there right now. They said he's got worms in his flesh, and there was no cure for it. I don't know if there is now or not, but there was no cure for it. And uh, it created blood clots all over my body, and uh, almost died. And they said, 
this man or this boy won't live long. And, and the best thing you can do is to go get him a built-up shoe so he can walk straight and he'll be all right. Or that's all we can do for him. No use coming back. Just give him the medicine we're giving him. But they didn't know that there was a little Pentecostal church over in LaSalle Parish. Praise God. On May the 1st, 1955, I hobbled in there, just crippled as I could be. The little skinny, blonde-headed boy found my place about three or four seats back. That preacher preached on repentance. A few minutes, I walked up to that altar, and I began to pray and seek God. About 15 minutes later, when I raised my hands, I began to speak in tongues. I jumped to my feet, and I began to shout all over that building. When I come to about an hour later, after speaking in tongues, that old leg was straightened out. The worms was gone. I was healed by the power of God. And I'm still healed today, 33 years later. Praise God. I'm excited about what God has done in my life. Praise God. And all of y'all that's grown old and grown in grace, and you see me kicking around a little bit, and you just wonder, what's all of that going on for? i got a reason to kick. Bless God. He healed my body. He gave me the Holy Ghost. Thank God. He brought me through the sheep gate. I'm His child. I'm still excited about it. Hallelujah. I want to tell that everywhere I go. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I ain't talking about how bad the organization is and the district is and the church is and the saints are and everything else. I don't have that message for you today. I'm here to tell you God saves, God heals. Hallelujah. And I'm excited about it in my life. Praise God. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I'm so tickled I don't know what to do. You say you tickled because you're teaching. I was tickled when I wasn't teaching. I was tickled before I was preaching. I'm going to be tickled when I die if I'll be faithful. Hallelujah be to God. Oh, we got something to talk about besides the down junk and the hurt feelings. And preacher didn't speak to me. And they didn't invite me to cook dinner last week. You wouldn't have come there to call you. Called you 40 times and you didn't come. Oh, hallelujah. Don't let me get off on that. My feelings been hurt. I've been wounded. I'm wounded inside. Ooh. Baloney. Why don't you hold your head up? Stick your chest out. Pray through. Go to the altar again. I've been there 49 dozen times myself. Lay your little old silly feelings on the, on the altar. Try it again. I didn't get that church. I just should have had it. It's the will of God. Blown it. You'd have got it, I guess, if it had been the will of God. Everybody's out the will of God but me. Oh, help us, Jesus. Can't get no church. Can't get no saints. Can't get this. Can't do that. Oh, help us, God. Jesus, touch us. I don't want to get a bad spirit about nothing. About nobody. My saints hurt my feelings. My saints told me, I got somebody don't like me, bother me. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. That's all right if you don't like me. I ain't going to get bitter about it. I'm going to just 
shout on around you how you just disliking me. I'm going to kick up my old heel leg. Hallelujah. God healed me, so I just might as well go ahead and shout around you. Oh, God, help us to get off our little pity parties and our little kicks about what's happened to us. So you're going to get your feelings hurt. So somebody's going to pass you by. Somebody's not going to speak to you at this camp meeting if you don't watch it. Amen. Just got the cold, the shoulder, and the world. I got right up there in the back corner where everybody could see me. And I stood there for an hour and didn't nobody shake my hand. I have people come to church and as soon as you say amen, they go out the door and go off and tell, Preacher didn't speak to me tonight. I couldn't catch you. You three-legged chicken. Hallelujah. You know, my saints kind of got to where they're not as friendly as they used to be, Brother James. Why, if I stood up on the platform waiting for everybody to come up here, I'm the blessed and holy potentate of the first UPC of Gina. And I'm going to sit up here and y'all all come greet me in the name of the Lord. Wouldn't nobody shake my hand. My wife finally come get me and say, let's go home, old bully. Hate to take you home with me, but let's go. But you know what? I found if I go out... How you, Brother Timmy? Praise God. How you, old buddy? Thank God. How you doing, Brother Simpkin? How you doing, Brother Manny? Thank God. How you doing, Brother Tim? How you, Brother Foster? Praise God. I don't believe Brother Card wants to speak to me. How you doing, buddy? Hallelujah. Thank God. Bless God you shake hands. Be friendly. Show yourself friendly. Hallelujah. Never tried to shake hands with anybody that wouldn't shake hands with me. But you stand off waiting on everybody to come to me. And if you don't, I'm going to get my feelings hurt. They won't be by, baby. You're just going home mad, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you hear me? You're just going home with your feelings hurt. And when you get home, your wife's going to jump on you and you're going to go to bed pouting. Hallelujah. Sleep right over on the edge and fall out if you don't watch it. Don't want nobody to touch you. You know what's wrong with you? You like the little girl that fell out of the bed. Her mama said, well, why did you fall out, baby? She said, I stayed too close to where I got in at. And that's what's wrong with some people. They're too close to where they got in at. Oh, but we need to build this prison gate. Hallelujah. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I belong to this thing. I'm not going anywhere. I'm dedicated to God. I'm consecrated to God. I love this church. Hallelujah. I'm his prisoner. Glory to God. I'm going to stay with it regardless of the cost. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I used to think, yeah, I used to have that dumb notion that... I was going to get everybody all spiritual and we wasn't going to have nothing but spiritual services and everything was going to be on the up and up. Perfect saints, perfect people, everybody get up when I get up, go to bed and I go to bed. Call me when I wanted them to, leave me alone. When I want them to, die when I wasn't on vacation. Not have no gallbladder attacks when I'm fishing. Okay, it didn't work that way. Hey Amen. You can't help it. I know it. I understand all of that. Amen. Everything was going to go fine. I made up my mind one time I was never going to get discouraged again. Oh. 
You know what? It didn't work. And then I got discouraged because I got discouraged. <laughs> Thought something was wrong with me. You know, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. If you apostolic Jesus' name, if you're a preacher or a saint, your life's going to be like a roller coaster. God said, I'm going to take you, told Israel, I'm going to take you to a land of hills and valleys. They come out of that flat Nile Valley. They, he said, you can't water it with a foot. They was used to taking them old treadmills and irrigating that flat Nile Valley, Brother Foster. But God said, I'm going to take you out of that. I'm going to take you to a land of hills and valleys that's watered with the water from the heavens above. You can't irrigate it. You just got to tough it out in the dry times. You got to go through the valleys. You got to go across the mountains. But when I get ready for it to rain, I'm going to send the rain and you can just kick. You can kick till your tongue hangs out and it ain't going to rain. No irrigation systems over in Canaan. Just pray. Just trust God for the rain. My Lord, hills and valleys, ups and downs. I know it sounds bad, but it's the truth. Dead services and good services. Good sermons and bad sermons. Ain't nobody knows that better than y'all. Some poor little old Bible teacher, preacher come by for two or three nights and said, Oh, he's dynamic. I'm just starving to death. My poor pastor, he can't feed us no more. You can't eat or you won't eat. That's the reason he can't feed. Had a cow one time. You get every cow in the barn to eat but her. She'd put a double S curve in her tail and run out across a hill when you were putting a feed in the trough. Crazy as a bat. You know, I'm a country boy. I sent her down to McDonald's. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, just wouldn't eat. Couldn't get her under the barn. Crazy as a June bug. Thin as a rail, but wouldn't eat. I'm telling you, bony old cow. Just scared to death when feed rattles in a trough. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Count meetings good and all of these exciting services, good revivals good. I'll tell you what makes good saints and good preachers is that day-to-day grind. Hanging in there. Praise God. Old Brother Chambers said something that inspired me years ago. He said, don't get up and say, I'm not going to preach until something happens here. He said, get up and preach and make something happen. Praise God. I ain't never been to church without a sermon. You say, oh, you're probably out of the will of God most of the time. I might have been. But you might have been out of the will of God not having one. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you ever make any message? My Lord. Sometimes it's absolutely pitiful. Now, I know it never happens that way at your place. But it's just downright pitiful sometimes. The sound system won't work. The commode run over. The song leader don't score. Can't nobody get the key right. I can't get anointed. Nobody comes to the altar. Everybody's watching their watch. Everybody gets cold. They are shaking shawls and shivering. And, oh, you know. But you know what? 
I'm going back. I'm not stopping. Praise God. I'm staying with it. You know what? I got a hold of the Lord. I got a, I got a hole in my ear. And I said, I'm going to stay here forever. Just go ahead and take me up to the, up to the doorpost, Jesus, and drive a hole through my ear. I love you so much. I'm going to stay with you in the good times and in the bad. When the sun's shining and when the storm's coming. I'm his prisoner. Praise God. I'm his child. I love this church. Praise God. I love this kingdom. And I'm going to stay with it all the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. T.C. Hamlet wrote a little poem. He entitled it, Two Frogs and Cream. And here's the poem. Not very long. Let me read it to you. Two frogs fell into a can of cream, or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croak number one? His faith, no helps around. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. And while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while at least, he said. Or so I've heard, he said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or two he kicked and swam. Not once he stopped to mutter, but kicked and kicked and swam and kicked, then hopped out via the butter. Praise God. You know what I'm planning on doing? I'm just planning on staying in this cream and a chicken. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm his prisoner. I'm his child. Thank God I've been through the sheep gate. I'm going through the fish gate. But I'm going through the prison gate. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to love Him. I'm going to stay with the church. Hallelujah. Through the thick and the thin, the ups and the downs, the storms of life. I want to stay with it. Hallelujah. Is that the way you feel about it? And then the Bible tells us in the book of Nehemiah, the third chapter and the sixth verse, Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehovah. Praise God, the old gate. Now, according to some writers, they say that Melchizedek could have been the builder of this gate to the ancient city of Salem. I don't know that that's true or not. But there was a gate in the wall that was called the old gate. It's also called the corner gate. In Second Chronicles chapter 26 and verse number 9. Now there's no particular reason why that this is called the old gate or corner gate except that it does stand in the juncture of two walls of the city of Jerusalem. The old gate. Now would anybody have any idea what that would represent? That you know what we need to do when we become his prisoner and we start walking with God? We need to build up that old gate. We need to stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way. Now, I hate to disappoint you, being so young and frolicky as I am, but I ain't looking for nothing new. Somebody show me that old trail that's got S.L. Wise's footprints in it. Somebody show me that old trail that's got wheelchair prints in it. Somebody show me that old trail where G.A. Mangum's walked. 
George Glass Sr.'s walked. A.L. Clanton walked, my first pastor. Praise God. Somebody show me that road. Show me that road where the old prayer warriors live. Thank God. This modern day of everything so new and fancy and fast and microwave ovens. The old boy in Gina said if he'd have had microwaves a few years ago, he'd have never got married. Amen. And I want to tell you something. In a microwave age, in an age of all of the new gadgets in this world, there's an old gate that needs to be built up in our lives. Praise God. We need to establish that old-time virtue and walking with God and serving God and doing the will of God. Give me some old-time preaching. Give me some old-time apostolic power. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, let's build up the old gate. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My. Boy, I went to that, I went to that early morning Bible study this morning. Now, it's not because I'm so holy that I do that. And not because I'm awake either. <laughs> but I just like Brother Glass. <clears throat> Always have. He preached in my home church when I was a little old boy. Boy, I still got the notes. Believe it or not, I've tried to preach two or three of them. They didn't turn out good as yours, but I preached them. Well, I've tried them two or three times. They just, they don't work. <laughs> Boy, I like what he said this morning. That's, that's, that's old, that's the old gate. You know what he was doing? He was raising up the old gate. Old gate. You know, he was preaching before they had the manual and before they had all the rules and regulations, but the old gate was built up. Thank God. If you're waiting on a rule to live it, you ain't going to make it there for Like Brother Johnson said, if you're waiting on a rule to love your wife and a manual, you just forget it. You'd lose a page anyway. Hallelujah. But thank God for that old gate. Praise God. Old time preaching. You know, Brother Mangan, he hops up here. He don't tell, he, if he's going to take prayer requests, he's going to tell you what you got to do to be saved before he prays about it. Old-fashioned preaching. Apostolic preaching. Don't you like that? Don't you like for your pastor to get up and just preach the truth? Praise God. Don't you like for somebody to tell it just like it is? Praise God. Not mad at anybody. Not on anybody's case. Not fussing at anybody. Not skinning sheep. Not curling anybody's wool. But just preaching the Word. Speaking the truth in love. Hallelujah. Excited about it. Thrilled about it. Praise God. I love that kind of preaching. Praise God. Do y'all like it? Do you want your pastor to preach it? Say amen. When he preaches, don't get mad at him. Don't take up for your kids. Hallelujah. Amen. If they're wrong, don't take up for them. Don't get no fuss to other saints over your kids. Oh, they're going to thump your little old Jane behind the ear and pull her pigtails and kick her under the back of the pew. They're going to mistreat your youngins. And you can grab them little old dogs up and run home mad if you want to. And you can call up their parents. Hey, I saw your boy knock Junior down. He's laying out there in the dust. Poor little thing. He had asthma when he was born. And I just got to protect him. You know, baloney. Junior will be up playing in a few minutes. You stay out of it. 
But you go to church and one of you sat on one side, one on the other. Kids sitting up on the front seat playing and you mad over them. You wish to God you could separate them, but you'd make too big a monkey out of yourself to go get yours. Leave them alone. Support your pastor. Say, thank God we got order in this church. Thank God he won't let the kids court in church. Thank God he won't let people cut up in church. Hallelujah. Thank God Brother Timmy's got order on the campground. Oh, but he sent somebody out there to get on to one of my saints. I don't like it. I like it. You hear me? I like it. I like it. Pray from Gina, you tell me and I'll get on them again. I'm like my mama. That's good. I like it. Well, bless God, if we didn't have some order out here, they'd be hanging off of them rails by their pigtails. Me up here trying to preach. Thank God for order. Old-fashioned truth. Old-fashioned holiness. Old-fashioned living for God. Praise God. In a weak world, some people don't know what they believe. They don't know what they're preaching. They don't know where they're going. Thank God for somebody to raise up the old gate. Hallelujah. Raise up the corner gate. Thank God where this wall meets. Let's raise up a standard. Let's have the old-fashioned way. Thank God. I'm not talking about T-models and, and flat-top guitars. Thank God for some modern equipment. Hey, Amen. I didn't hitchhike over here or ride a stick horse either. Thank God. Catch a greyhound either. I'm glad for cars. Automobile. But I still want to preach the old time message. I heard about a preacher who went up to Kentucky. Now, any of you folks know about Kentucky? They got all kinds of stuff in Kentucky. I used to live up close to Kentucky. Just preached up there just a few days ago. A fella took a church up in Kentucky. And on the first Sunday he got up and he preached against raising tobacco. Of course, they raised tobacco in Kentucky, you know. One of the deacons called him up and said, Brother, let me tell you, some people in this church raise tobacco for a living. You'd be wise if you didn't preach against it. He said, Oh, okay, I won't, I'll, I'll leave that one alone. So the next Sunday he got up and he preached against horse racing. <laughs> Same fellow called him up and he said, Well, Brother, now listen, we raise race horses here. And this is big business in Kentucky. He said, You don't want to preach against no horse racing in Kentucky. Leave that one alone. He said, oh, thank you, brother. I won't talk about it. So the next Sunday, he got up and preached against making liquor and drinking liquor. And, of course, they got distilleries all over Kentucky. So the same fellow called him off again. And he said, brother, now listen, I hate to tell you, but you don't want to preach about making liquor in Kentucky. He said, that's, that's a no-no. The preacher was quite exasperated. He said, well, brother... Let me ask you a question. He said, do you have any suggestions about what I ought to preach? The man said, yes, I do. He said, what you ought to do next Sunday is preach against African witch doctors. He said, there's not one in 3,000 miles of here. I don't want my pastor preaching against African witch doctors. Amen. Tell me about them boogers in LaSalle Parish. Tell me about the sins of my day. Tell me about living for God now. Praise God. It's not over the sea. It's not up in the heaven. It's the word that's nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Praise God. Let me hear something that will touch my soul. Something that will bless me today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In a world that's tossed with sin. Saints, let's ask God to show us that old path. 
and let's begin to rise up and walk in it and enjoy the blessings of God. Brother, the sons of the goldsmiths and the apothecaries, they raised up that day. Praise God. I believe our kids are ready to help raise up the old-time message and the old-time truth of God. You know, let me just throw this in. I'm going to have to quit. Let me just throw this in. I'm not having any difficulty with these kids that was raised on dope and, and, and drugs and movies and television and all the filth of this world. I'm not having any trouble with them coming in, getting the Holy Ghost and saying, I'm sick of that mess. I was raised on that. I'm ready to live for God, shout the victory, and walk this path of holiness. Praise God. I want the old-time way that will strengthen me. And encourage me. Praise God. Well, we've got 12 gates. I've got four of them kind of propped up here. And we got seven to go. And I'm hungry. Now, what would y'all do if y'all was in my predicament? <laughs> Hallelujah. I think I'll... Brother Cole, I haven't got my flesh educated. I think I'll quit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Am I making any sense to y'all? Oh, God, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let me just throw it out to you if you want to write a note down. The next gate was the Ephraim gate. The only gate named after a person. Ephraim means fruitfulness. When you become a prisoner of the Lord, you become fruitful. The sixth gate that they repaired was the valley gate. And there's a lot of information about the valley gate. There's three major valleys mentioned in the Bible. The valley of giants, the valley of the shadow of death, and the valley of Baca. And you're going to walk through all three of them in your Christian experience. There are valley gates in our lives. The seventh gate was the dung gate. And that gate got its name from the material that was carried through it. The refuse. It opened up into the valley of Hinnom. was where they had a continual fire burning. And they took the filth and the off-scouring, the offings of animals and humans and the waste and the trash and the garbage of the city. They took it through the dung gate to the valley of Hinnom. Everybody needs to build that gate in their life of getting rid of the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. We need a gate to cleanse our minds and carry some things out of our thoughts and dump it in the valley of Hinnom and set it on fire and say, I'm through with it. I'm carrying it out the dung gate. I'm getting rid of this filth. I'm getting rid of this mess. I'm getting rid of this trash. I'm getting rid of this junk. I'm getting rid of these bitter feelings. I'm getting rid of this hatred. I'm getting rid of this strife. I'm getting rid of this bickering. I'm getting rid of this contention. I'm getting rid of criticizing my pastor and the rest of the saints and the organization and the officials and everybody else. I'm going through the dung gate. I'm going out under where the junk's burning. I'm going to pile everything out of my life on it and I'm going to walk back through it cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to walk with my brother and I'm going to serve God all the days of my life. My, that's a sermon within itself. 
And then the eighth gate was the fountain gate. And my, there's a lot on that gate. Hezekiah built a pool by that one. That's where the pool of Siloam was at. That's where they piped the waters into the city of Jerusalem through an aqueduct was near the fountain gate. That represents the overflowing of God's Spirit, the refilling of God's presence. Oh, I want that fountain to spring up within me again. After you go through the dung gate and you get rid of some things out of your life, you need that renewing of the Holy Ghost to come and revive you and strengthen you. Brother, it's not all putting off and throwing away and getting rid of stuff. You've got to have something to replace that. Praise God. If you want people to give up something in your church, feed them something that will take care of that gnawing in their soul. Give them something to replace that. And when you come back through that dung gate, there's a fountain gate right there. And you can walk through it. And that fountain will begin to spring up unto life everlasting. Praise God. And then the Bible doesn't say. It only says that there were some men that lived over by the water gate. The water gate is representative of the Word of 